Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. In her new book, Girls Who Green the World, journalist Diana Cap profiles 34 women who are working in smart, creative, and often entrepreneurial ways to beat back climate change and other environmental problems. These women have found ways to make meaningful change, and we'll talk with Cap and two of the women she profiled in her book, including Kayla Abe of the Bay Area favorite, Ugly Pickle Co. And then before Luke Tsai was KQED's food editor, and even before he'd written professionally at all, he was a chow hound. One of the legions of people who once flocked to the early website for food lovers, and which sadly closed down after 25 years, will eulogize and celebrate. That's all next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Amidst almost unbearable climate doom of unfathomable scale, sometimes hard to find faith that we can hip check the planetary economy onto a more livable path. But not everyone has been dimmed by fear and time. In her new book, Girls Who Green the World, journalist Diana Cap writes that the book is, quote, about fighters who have no patience for any of that doubt. It's a magic doorway into an alternate universe of possibility, buzzing and worrying with mad scientists and doers, every single one racing impatiently to head off planetary disaster. She joins us this morning to discuss who she met and what she learned about the current stage of the climate fight. Welcome to the show, Diana. Hi, Alexis. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So tell us about this book. It follows on your previous work profiling women who founded companies, right? Yeah, uh, my first book in 2019 was a profile of 31 female entrepreneurs, and I sort of follow my kids' lead, and the topic that they're really most passionate about right now is climate and the earth, and definitely focusing on role models for young people and sort of a sense of possibility through doers. Yeah. I want to get a, a sense of the range of the book. Like, who, who's the youngest person that you profile? The youngest person is Shelby O'Neill. She's a student at Berkeley right now. But when she was 11 years old, a soccer accident sidelined her. So she started volunteering at the aquarium in Monterey and then um, got so interested in ocean issues. And so when she went to a tire um, store with her dad and saw all the straw stirrers there, she you know, panicked and she started cold writing people like Howard Schultz, the head of Starbucks. Right. And he actually made it to a face-to-face -face meeting with Howard Schultz and also with 
the head of Delta Airlines and Dignity Health and, um, you know, got them to have some minimal reform and then to work with the state legislature in California for um, a bill for, you know, you have to ask for the straw. (laughs) And how about the other uh, end of the range? Like, Who has the most experience? Is it Lisa P. Jackson? I love Lisa. I think Lisa P. Jackson, who's amazing and everyone should know her. She's run the EPA and now she's at Apple running their sustainability and justice effort. And, um, you know, there are others who are deep in the movement, like um, Annie Leonard, who runs Greenpeace USA. And people may know her from these great videos she made about 10 years ago called The Story of Stuff, mm-hmm. where she explains consumer culture and capitalism in a, in a sweet one minute video. Yeah. We'd also love to hear from our listeners. Who is someone whose work on climate change has inspired you? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum, and the email forum at kqed.org. Dad Kip, um, who are you imagining would read this book? I've written the book for young people, which is, you know, middle schoolers, high schoolers and college students. But like my last book, it really ends up being a book for anyone. I found that, you know, maybe the book would be a gift from a mother to a daughter, but then the mother would end up reading the book. They're approachable stories. It's all about sort of storytelling to get you interested in all the different topics and each story represents, you know, whether it's plastic alternatives or waste reduction or activism and art to um, combat climate change. Yeah, I was reading it yesterday to my kids. They really like the eco glitter. Uh, I think it was Saba Gray's uh, bio glitter. Um, I I love bio glitter. It's made out of eucalyptus leaves and they put it all over their bodies. And this woman, Saba, is really cool. And she believes that glitter is something that can like bring us all together in community because you just have to be happy and connected when you're, you know, when you're covering yourselves with glitter. Indeed. Uh, what do you what did you learn about the modern environmental movement working on this book? Well, first of all, the movement has changed so much from sort of its past as a white male kind of rich person's issue. And in the book, I really wanted it to feel like this modern movement that's full of people of color. The book is, you know, half people of color. There's, you know, so many young people are getting active and there really is a movement. That's that's what I would say, you know the Sunrise Movement is one of the stories in the book. And, you know, looking at what's happened with them in just the past four years is is massive. You know, I've been following a lot of the kind of green consumerist world for a long time, probably 15 years, um, just being a... Yeah, you, big, wrote, you wrote a book about green. I, did, I, wrote, I wrote a book about the history of green technology. Yeah, mm-hmm. back in the day. And I, I, I think one of the things that I struggle with sometimes is wanting these companies that make sustainable products to have a bigger impact, to to have it solve more of the problem and, and worrying that it doesn't. Did you encounter that in yourself when writing these stories? I don't think we're going to solve the problem through, you know, sustainable glitter and dyes for blue jeans that are non-toxic. We're, I mean, we're in so deep. But I do think that each of these efforts is sort of a form of communication that 
we can make a difference and we can use technology and bring it to bear and we can have really innovative thinking. Um, so to me, it's more about these companies helping us have a shift in mindset and a culture change that we need to start thinking about how do we use alternative materials and how do we do things more sustainably and how do we, you know, change our, our lifestyle. And you also profile some policy folks too, right? Like one of the creators of the Green New Deal policy framework. Yeah, that's Rihanna Gunn, right? And uh, she she did a lot of the drafting of the Green New Deal. Yeah, so interesting. Let's bring in a couple of the people that you profile in the book. Uh, we're lucky to be joined by Kayla Abe, co-founder of Ugly Pickle Co., and Shuggy's Trash Pies and Natural Wine, one of the greatest restaurant names of, of all time. Welcome to the show, Kayla. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here. We're also joined by Daniela Fernandez, founder and CEO of the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. Welcome, Daniela. Thanks, Alexis. Happy to be here. Danielle, can you just tell us about the Sustainable Oceans Alliance? You, you do a lot of different things and might be worth just kind of laying that out. Absolutely. So I actually founded the organization when I was uh, a freshman in college because I realized that the ocean was just not getting enough attention from our generation. And we also didn't have solutions. We heard legislators and, and heads of state talking about the problem. But SOA is all about empowering young people to come up with uh, nonprofit and for-profit solutions to tackle some of these really large problems facing our ocean. And so some of that work would say be like the Ocean Solutions Accelerator, right? What, what does that do? Absolutely. So we have supported 45 ocean technology companies, ranging from companies that are using seaweed to replace plastic, companies that are using waves um, to supply sustainable energy, all the way to companies that are using data to map out the ocean floor because we know more about space and the ocean. And so we support these entrepreneurs with mentorship, with funding, and with just the expertise that we need them to have to scale and implement their solutions. Mm -hmm. So tell me, why? how'd you get hooked on this? Were you like one of the kids who always loved dolphins and wanted to be a marine biologist and then you got knocked onto this path? Or like, how did this happen? I, also, I always had a love for penguins my entire life. And it was at the age of 12 when I watched Al Gore's movie, An Inconvenient Truth. Uh -huh. And the moment I saw the film... I just knew that it was going to be my responsibility to help tackle the climate crisis. But as a 12-year-old, I had no idea how I would do so. But I just put that responsibility on my shoulders very early on in life. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, I, you know, I'm not as young as you are, but I also feel sort of like, wait, I was kind of born into this world that is having these problems. Shouldn't this be the people who have all the power in the you know, global framework right now? Shouldn't they be the ones who fix this? Well, I think the reality is that they haven't. And our generation is impatient and, and as we should be because this feels like an inherent responsibility for our, our own survival. And so when we talk to our youth leaders, we have a presence in 165 countries. Every single one of them doesn't feel as if we have the time to pass on the baton or to hold on and wait for the, for the older generation to tackle this, which is why we're equipping this generation with the knowledge, with the, with the platforms and the funding they need to come up with solutions and actually be the change agents we need, as opposed to simply, you know, being upset or lobbying or, you know, signing petitions, we're actually encouraging action and change. Can you tell us about a couple of the leaders that your organization has worked with that you're really excited about? 
Yes, I'll give you a very uh, tangible example. Uh, recently, we had a, a massive um, oil spill in Peru. And one of our young leaders, uh, Daniel Caceres, he actually was on the ground and mobilized a response unit, which was full of our youth leaders in Peru, because the government was not taking action. And so they were able to form units all over the, um, the region of Peru to form a response unit for volunteer, uh, for funding, for donations, because a lot of the fishermen and fisherwomen out there were not receiving the attention or were receiving the funding that was needed by the um, the company uh, Repsol, who was responsible for the oil spill. So I think, you know, we see our movement that we're building as building an army of ecopreneurs, which are, you know, the amazing folks that um, Diana has featured in, in her book, and also building a, a first response unit of youth that can just speak up and have a voice um, in what's happening with our ocean and our planet. Diana Cap, how did you first come across Daniela Fernandez's uh, work here? I actually heard about her from the Emerson Collective. And one of the things that I do is I go to um, funders and social impact investors and I ask them who are their most interesting green investments. And she came through uh, a woman at Emerson. And I've done the same thing at uh, Donna, uh, DRK, Draper, Richards, Kaplan. So interesting. We're talking with journalist Diana Cap about her book, Girls Who Green the World. We're also joined by two women profiled in the book, Kayla Abe, co-founder of Ugly Pickle Co. and Shuggy's Trash Pies and Natural Wine, as well as Daniela Fernandez, you just heard, founder and CEO of the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. Love to hear from you. Who's someone whose work on climate change has inspired you? And what are ways you've found to combat climate change in your own life. You can give us a call 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum, and the email is forum at kqed.org. One listener writes, I'm inspired by the work of these women. There's so many organizations out there to change the planet. Do the guests think that the number of nonprofits out there could do better work if they work together? They could pull together resources, financial donations, etc., and maybe more powerful. We'll talk about that when we get back. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with journalist Diana Cap about her book, Girls Who Green the World, also joined by two of the women profiled in the book, Kayla Abe, co-founder of Ugly Pickle Co. and Shuggy's Trash Pies and Natural Wine, as well as Daniela Fernandez, founder and CEO of the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. Kayla, I want to talk about your story. How did you... Just give us a quick introduction to Ugly Pickle Co. and how you got started working on it. Sure. Um, so Ugly Pickle Co. is a climate solutions company that is upcycling cosmetically regular produce and farm surplus, turning them into pickles and tasty condiments. And really started in from uh, grassroots conversations with farmer friends that I knew. At the time, I was working for sustainable agriculture nonprofit, Quesa, uh, recently mm-hmm. added to FoodWise. And 
had the privilege of talking with farmers three days a week when they would come to the market and sell at the Ferry Plaza Farmers Market. And, you know, in those conversations, it, it felt really apparent that between, you know, the growing, harvesting, packing of their produce, um, to lose income from produce that was not cosmetically fit or things came to fruition at the same time and they had to move it really quickly. They were losing income. Um, this was a strain on them. It's also terribly wasteful. Uh, these conversations really led to a deeper exploration. And at the time, um, my, well, my partner, he also is a chef and was talking to those exact same farmers <laughs> week after week, shopping with them. And we both felt like this was, you know, we, we felt it deeply um, as you know, from people who were friends of ours. So yeah. really explored more and then found out that this was a microcosm of a much larger issue with waste. So um, recently we've decided to kind of double down on these food waste commitments and open a restaurant. So that's Shuggies. And with that, we're able to take in an even greater variety of upcycled produce and address other kind of tiers of the food waste um, kind of ecosystem. So also including not only upcycled produce, but byproduct offcuts and bycatch. Hmm. So why pickles for the first product? Yeah. Um, I mean, for one, we both, my partner and I, David Murphy, we both just love pickles. Um, <laughs> they really brighten up any dish. Um, also, we saw a tremendous amount of waste in specifically the, the cucumber channel. Um, we take on a lot of what they call crooks and nubs. And they're actually, I mean, they look really, really cute. Honestly, they're like <laughs> kind of mis malformed, but perfectly edible um, cucumbers. Sometimes they also have sunspotting, so they're slightly miscolored. Um, but those are the things that you never see in the grocery store. Yeah, They're not a thing that have a traditional outlet. So we kind of started there and then- right, You'd eat them from your garden if you were growing them yourselves, but you wouldn't sure. buy them from the grocery store. Exactly. Exactly. You might grow it in your garden and be like, this was a slightly failed experiment, but truly like, you know, th this is what nature pushes our way. Yeah. Yeah. So you got going at the Ferry Plaza uh, Farmer's Market. And I was wondering what you learned, you know, about how people think about food waste from your time there selling these pickles. Yeah, it's, you know, I feel like people who shop at farmer's markets definitely have if you're in conversation with farmers regularly, you probably have a base level of knowledge you're garnering from those conversations and, and meeting with them week after week. Um, but we still felt like there was a lot more education to be done. I think, you know, with our name, we're speaking to, we're speaking directly to this issue. And I think a lot of people had misconceptions about what food waste is. They're like, are you dumpster diving? <laughs> old or Not rotting? that there's anything wrong with dumpster diving. Not anything wrong with that. Um, just really hard to scale that model. <laughs> as a um, but no, I mean, we, we've just been trying to educate people kind of from the ground up and we're upcycling as much as we can. We're also sourcing from a lot of those farmers still. Um, but, you know, wherever people are on their climate journey, we're trying to meet them where they're at. And we try to do that with our fun and bright packaging, our like very colloquial mm -hmm. um, copywriting, because I think it's it's new and, and scary for some people. And we're happy to kind of handhold people through that process. 
So Shuggies is going, your restaurant is going into the Velvet Cantina space, right? In the Mission, the old Velvet Cantina space. Um, and it's, is it open already? Not yet. We're going to be opening later this month. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, do you have a date yet? <laughs> we don't. Okay. We don't yet. Soon, soon Here. coming to you. Um, I, I can't wait, actually. That's used to be one of my favorite spaces in the city, and I'm really <gasps> looking forward to it. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, Diana Cap, about how you uh, came upon Kayla's work. And I'm was it the Ferry Plaza? Mm-hmm. Well, we we met at the Ferry Plaza, but I had heard about Ugly Pickles because I tested out this box called Imperfect Foods, uh-huh. and that's you know one of those boxes you can get to your house. And this is they're supporting Ugly Pickles, and so that's one of the. Um, I ordered them up and they came to my house and I just thought, this is cool. And food waste has been one of the areas that I've, you know, I've learned how much impact we really can have as individuals. It's, it's such a huge problem that we're wasting 40% of, of food. Um, and it's one of the, the um, biggest levers in terms of how we can address climate change. Yeah. I don't think people know that, that food waste is, is as big a lever as it is. Yeah. Kayla, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, about within that 40% of food that goes to waste annually in the U.S., um, you know, 20% of that comes from the farm. And we've been really dedicated to building those relationships, um, focusing on that side. But there's so much to be done at so many different levels, um, which is why we're incorporating all of those different types of waste into the restaurant. And you know, we're, we're not going to be able to upcycle every, everything in the Bay area, but hopefully this is grounds for some conversation to people to start to think about their own diets as tools of kind of environmental change. Mm -hmm. We're talking with the journalist Diana Cap about her book, Girls Who Green the World, as well as two of the women profiled in the book, Kayla Abe, co-founder of Ugly Pickle Co. and Daniela Fernandez, founder and CEO of the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. Let's take our first call, Kelly in Berkeley. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Kelly. So we're calling in about who inspired us. Yes. So it was my council member, Kate Harrison, and she took Berkeley. She did the ordinance to make us all electric, and I made my um, house, which is over 100 years old, all electric. Oh, nice. Did you go with the yeah. induction range or uh, traditional electric? How'd you do it? <laughs> I did the traditional electric because I don't do that much cooking, but I got rid of my gas furnace and I have a mini split hybrid uh, heat pump and I got rid of my gas water heater and I have a hybrid um, water heater heat pump that does it goes all electric or it's the hybrid model, which is what I keep it on all the time. Yeah, so I'm all electric and I love it. That's wonderful. That's actually one of my dreams. I want to do that with my house, the exact thing you were just describing. Um, thanks so much for that call. You know, Dana, I wanted to ask you, as someone who works here in the Bay Area, do you think this is really the the best place to be doing this work from or one of the best places? I think it's a great place. I think something like 15 15- of the women in the book come from here. And so much of this technology comes out of the universities that are in the Bay Area and um, such a hotbed for innovation. Food is a big area where the the Bay Area is leading possible. 
burgers and... We also have a question for you from listener Bobby. Uh, Bobby writes, I'm an avid gardener and believe wholeheartedly that growing organic, sustainable produce and green life can be a small, immediate way normal citizens can experience the benefits of a greener planet. I love upcycling and growing plants in all forms of media and environments. Do you have any content creators or activists you'd recommend that are doing good work in this space? Well... Um, Appeal Sciences is something that you should look up and they are using nature's peel, um, which protects produce and they're putting it on avocados and bananas and strawberries. And those um, pieces of produce are lasting like two to four times as long. And it's a totally biological material that they're using. And the, the appeal avocados, I know they're selling now in Costco and, and other places in the Bay Area, but it's, it's an interesting idea. That's cool. Let's bring in another caller, Erica from Fremont. Welcome to the show, Erica. Hello, how are you? Good, good. Thanks um, for calling. I just, <laughs> just had a quick question or um, a thought. I had been watching a documentary on Netflix called Seaspiracy, and I just talked about the fishing industry and how they have contributed to pollution in our whole entire world through the ocean, and the boats, the things that they drop off the boats and that are left in the ocean that are causing toxins, um, that are polluting our waters, polluting our fish that we eat. Um, I just had a question or uh, more about what you guys think about that or have any comments about that situation. Yeah, Erica, thanks so much. Danielle Fernandez, founder and CEO of the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. What do you think? Absolutely. Happy, happy to jump in. So there is a lot of technological innovation needed to solve this crisis. I'll give you a very tangible example. There's a company that we have accelerated called Blue Ocean Gear. And what they're doing is they're adding GPS and IoT technology to this fishing net so that fishermen can go and track these nets. Because you're right, it is an absolute catastrophe that we're living with in that there is so much um, you know, trash in the ocean and also so much overfishing that is happening. So we need not only to regulate the fishing industry, but also to find ways to monitor the impact that these um, large commercial shipping boats are having. And I'm, I'm really happy that you brought that up because, uh, you know, I think that we need to not only regulate, but also raise more awareness about how to um, eat sustainably um, as we eat fish. Yeah. You know, Kayla, that's a perfect transition to you. I mean, you said in Shuggies, the, your new restaurant that's opening soon here in San Francisco, you're going to be dealing with bycatch. Um, and I assume you've been thinking about this topic from that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's. I was actually stunned to find out that in the fishing industry as well, it, it kind of mimics the waste statistics of produce. Um, up to thirty to forty percent um, of fish that's caught is is bycatch and mm -hmm. either gets discarded in, in some fashion. So we're trying to bring on some of those things. Also, things like you know trash fish, things that you otherwise wouldn't see center plate. Um, like what that kind of fish are we talking? Oh, like, I mean, anchovies, things that are just smaller on the food chain, mm -hmm. um, as well as things like offcuts and in, in the fishing industry. So like collars, which are, you know, kind of a prime cut in Japanese cuisine. Um, I grew up eating those and thinking that was kind of the, the best cut. But, you know, those are typically discarded. And so many of these byproducts are culturally defined. So we're incorporating those into our menu eating as low as on the food chain as possible. And, and then sometimes bringing in local varieties that don't typically have a market out there. People aren't searching for these different types of fish. Um, but 
you know, they're they're from here and they're delicious. Also, um, just as a lover of natural wine, I'm curious, like, is the natural wine part of it or is that just that's kind of like the fun angle to like bring people in and try some like fish collar? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the fun angle. Um, You know, at the end of the day, we also have to be a really great restaurant for people to be able to come back and have this experience of learning about the environment and, and food waste. Um, I think to get people to listen, you first have to give them a great experience and oftentimes exceed expectations um, to get the message across. So yeah, the natural wine is one fun element. We also are very maximalist, bright, fun space. So it'll definitely be a good time. That's great. Let's bring in another caller, Cheryl from San Francisco. Welcome, Cheryl. Hi, thanks. Um, I love this work that you guys are doing. And I was just wondering if you could speak to the idea that I've heard as far as with imperfect foods and other seconds and casts off that it might be gentrifying an alternative food source for those who can't afford it. Um, And just wondering if that's come up at all for you guys and if you have thoughts about that. Kayla, what do you think? Yeah, I'm happy to address this question. It's a it's a complex issue because um, we I, I mean it definitely there's been a lot of there's been some dissent um, but really what we're seeing from the organizations that we talk to the nonprofits that actually operate um, food kitchens is they don't want a lot of this produce oftentimes they want pre prepared meals they don't have the space or the capacity to take on these like massive amounts of produce that's going to waste. Um, there's still a lot that goes to all of these, these soup kitchens and, and gets distributed, but the scale of this is overwhelming. I mean, if we're wasting 20, 20 billion pounds of produce on farms annually, we definitely have a lot to work with. Yeah. Thanks for that. You know, one of our listeners, Anna, writes, uh, someone I heard on the news said recently, we already have the tools and technology to solve the climate crisis. What we're lacking is the political will to use those tools. And Daniela Fernandez, do you think that's true as someone who's backing a lot of new technologies? Do you think we have everything that we need already to solve the challenges that you're looking at? We absolutely need more innovation in this space. You know, I think that there are, there are hurdles that we still haven't even thought of. And so I believe that there has to be intergenerational collaboration here and that we need to teach a lot of these policymakers of the latest technologies that do exist. For example, when we're speaking to our entrepreneurs, one of the biggest problems they face is that they, they physically don't have space to test out their innovations in the ocean. And a lot of countries haven't even thought through building pre-permitted um, ocean innovation spaces for these technologies to be tested. So I think there is a very large um, education gap within the policy space um, and bridging that gap is what we need to do as far as building, bringing these technologies to the forefront and also bringing up the challenges that we face in the ocean space and encouraging more innovation because we don't have enough and we also don't have time to wait around for the innovation cycle you know, to happen as it has in the tech space, but rather we need to encourage more people to come up with ideas, come up with creativity to um, build some of these technological solutions. I mean, I was just looking at your website and was fascinated to find, you know, people trying to like help natural upwelling in order to spark greater growth of like kelp force. I mean, there's a, a bunch of things that I hadn't ever really even even thought about. Um, Kayla, I wanted to ask you, 
If you were to build the Ugly Pickle Co. of your dreams, what kind of impact do you think that it would have? Yeah, that's a great question. So we're finding that waste happens in very hyper-local pockets. So, you know, we would we would hope to have different places where we can produce pickles, different facilities in different parts of the U.S. where people are dealing with this waste in a regional at a regional level. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're trying to upcycle as much produce as possible. We've already upcycled over 50,000 pounds um, in the couple of years we've been in business. Um, but really, we want to be kind of a stepping stone for people to be thinking more critically about their diets as ways to make an impact on the environment. Um, you know, we know that, you know, as one company alone, we can't solve this crisis. But as people start to think about their diets as tools of activism, that can really make a tremendous impact. We have actually the most amount of waste coming from the consumer level. So individual action is actually the way we're going to solve this. We've been talking to Kayla Abe, co-founder of Ugly Pickle Co. and and soon to be a new restaurant in San Francisco, Shuggies. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us, Kayla. Thanks so much for having me. We've also been talking with Daniela Fernandez, founder and CEO of the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. Go check out that website. So many interesting companies and people. Thanks for joining us, Daniela. Thanks, Alexis. And thank you for all the work and um, optimism you're bringing to the space. Hey, thanks. They are two of the 34 women profiled by journalist Diana Cap in her book, Girls Who Green the World. Thank you, Diana, for coming on the show and sharing your, your profilees with us. If those women don't make you hopeful for the future, I don't know what. They are amazing. There's a lot of them out there that are, you know, unknown and doing amazing work. Coming up next, we're talking to KQED food editor Luke Sai and Melanie Wong about Chow Hound, the foodie's food guide, which closed last month. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.